Hello and welcome to another episode of the Aligned Performance Podcast, the podcast helping you to achieve your greatest potential with purpose in your career and life. My name is Trang, your host for the show, and today I'm doing something a little bit different from the usual episodes. I am going to be answering your questions, a Q&A episode which is something that I haven't done on here before, but I did do via an Instagram live a couple of weeks back. And that was a hit because people could get to know me outside of being a coach, always talking about mindset and life and career. I actually got to share all the different parts of me that I usually don't talk about as much. And I would love to do the same for you listening to the podcast. So buckle in. This is going to be a lot of fun. So I'm going to get straight into the first question now, which is definitely a lighter one. How do you get your hair so silky? (laughs) Okay, I should definitely give context to this question. This was asked by someone who's currently in the journey of potential. And we have a bit of a running joke in the journey of potential about how my hair is always so straight and silky. (laughs) So... The serious answer to this fun question is genetics. I have my parents to thank for my hair. Absolutely. Because I don't really do anything that special to it. But there are probably a few things that I do or don't do that helps with my hair health. And that is I don't diet very often. In fact, in my entire life, I've only dieted twice. So once when I was 15 and I was starting my rebellious stage that went on for quite a few years. <laughs> Sorry, mum. I dyed my hair red. <laughs> and then maybe when I was 19, I dyed my hair bleach blonde. I will never do that again. I, I didn't mind how it looked, but it just damaged my hair so much. It was very dry. And ever since then, my hair has uh, made a comeback, which is awesome. I also don't actually use any heat on my hair. So I let it air dry every time I wash it. So maybe a couple of those tips for you to take on. All right, next question. What got you into astronomy? So this has also been asked from someone who's done the journey of potential, but from a previous round where we spoke a lot about astronomy in that round. And the reason for that is because I am quite interested in astronomy I've heard stories of astronauts going into outer space and seeing Earth as a floating rock. And so many of them go through this awakening process because they realize how fragile life is and how miraculous planet Earth is and how petty so many of the fights that people have on Earth are. Because ultimately they saw Earth as this rock and they had this realization of how everyone and everything on earth is one big family and we should be working together and also of course the fact that the universe was born from nothing and is infinitely large and is constantly expanding even as we speak right now it's just so fascinating and I remember around this time, around the time of this journey of potential, I actually entered into a competition 
to go into outer space. (laughs) So it was definitely something that I was excited about. For anyone who doesn't know, last year, Richard Branson, the guy who created Virgin Australia, the airline, he also created Virgin Galactic, which is a spacecraft to go into outer space. And in, I think it was July, he went into outer space for the very first time. After that, he made a competition where you could buy raffle tickets to win seats in Virgin Galactic to go into outer space and anyone could enter. So of course I was, <laughs> of course I was all over it. I think I bought like 500 tickets or something. Like I was determined, but no, I haven't gone into outer space. I didn't win. And I am still sitting here waiting for the day that that happens. <laughs> I am convinced, though, that it is going to happen in my lifetime, in in many of your lifetimes, because if you think about it, it was less than 100 years ago that the very first plane took flight. And look how in just a few decades, it's become so normalized and so accessible for civilians. So now that it's becoming more accessible, like the first civilian only flight into outer space has already happened. I believe in the next few decades, so much can change. So yeah, something to get excited about. Okay, next question. What does a typical day and week look like for you? So this is a pretty big question. As a whole, week to week, things change quite a bit because, you know, running my own business, depending on like meetings, depending on different appointments, things can change, but I do still have some routine um, that I follow. So as a whole, at the moment, with the journey of potential running, I've got group calls on Monday and Thursday nights. Wednesday is my other coaching day where I see in-person clients or do other coaching sessions. Uh, Otherwise, the week is pretty open and is pretty flexible. Tuesdays and Fridays, I usually keep completely free. So that's my time to be doing my things. And of course, Saturdays and Sundays off. So it's pretty great. Um, How I structure my day is based off Tim Ferriss's book, The 4-Hour Workweek that I read years ago. Um, The one thing that I took away from that book is to, to really block tasks together, to bunch tasks together. So I remember one thing that he mentioned in that book was to do emails and to do all messages in two blocks of the day. So once in the late morning and once in the late afternoon, because that way you can give all of your energy into serving your clients and serving people who've got questions for you. But then you also have structured times of the day for your own creativity and um, all the other tasks that you need to do. So that's how my days look. Like in the morning, I will always get up first thing, do a training session. So exercise of some sort that might be gym, that might be running, that might be gymnastics. Um, Then I'll have breakfast, have a shower and have some mindfulness like journaling, meditation before then getting into the day. So usually the AM is going to be allocated to tasks that take up the majority of my energy and mental creativity. So that might look like creating content for my courses or for my events. It might be improving 
my current course or current events like journey of potential or power your potential that's coming up or the enlightened of course being the three-day summit um or it might be like planning social media content it might be recording a podcast episode then i'll check emails and reply to all client um, messages late in the morning and then in the afternoon it could be back to doing more creative tasks or it could be doing other admin work that you know doesn't require as much mental energy so that's kind of how my day looks and then at the end of the day I'll clock off at some time you know it might be 5 or 6 p.m or it might be later if I've got a journey of potential call that finishes at 9 p.m. Um, and then at night I'll often read in bed like that's my reading time and that is what winds me down and disconnects me from the outside world before I go to bed. So that's kind of my routine day to day. And that is something that I am really, really strict on preserving because I believe that busyness isn't what leads to success or isn't what leads to progress. It's being productive. It's being progressive in the tasks that you do. And in order to be progressive, I need to make sure that I am being very intentional with my time and I am choosing to either be resting or to be creating or to be coaching. And it's very structured um, in the way that I show up. Okay, next question. Who is your favorite out of Obi and Finn? Oh, man, why do you have to do this to me? Make me choose between my two kids. If you don't already know, by the way, Obi and Finn are my two dogs. So Obi is the pug and Finn is the cavoodle. I love them to death. But of course, I cannot give a favorite. I have different things I love about both of them. So if you haven't already seen on Instagram, they're both so different and they both have their personalities. Obi, as the pug, he's this tiny little package of attitude. (laughs) Like he is smart and he will throw tantrums and he will do things his way. You may have seen every time we go for a run on the way out, he's pulling on the lead and he's ready to get out there. But as soon as we turn around to come home, he will roll over onto his back (laughs) and refuse to go home. Whereas Finn, he's a bit more sweet and he's a bit more obedient and he will cuddle and take pats. (laughs) So I just love both of them for their unique personality and their individuality. (laughs) Okay, next question now. Top three tips for someone who is new to business. Okay, three tips for someone who is new to business. This one's this one is tough because there are so many aspects of business and there's so many tips I could give over my almost now eight years in business. But the first thing that comes to mind that I always talk about that I believe has gotten me to where I am now is to surround yourself with other people in business, to surround yourself with the right people. You know, put the people who you want to be like in your top five. And the reason why this comes to mind is because I really believe I wouldn't be here where I am now without my business mentor. So I've worked with him from the very, very start back in, 
2015 or something like that. I, I lose track. And he has taught me so much. He has inspired me so much. He has seen things in me that I didn't see. He has just had my back this whole way through and he has instilled in me belief that has fast-tracked my progress and gotten me to where I am today. I really believe without him, I would have given up and settled for my day job. <laughs> um, but yeah, having other business friends to learn from, to keep you accountable, to teach you things, to normalize a new standard for business is everything. Because when you first start business, it's like, okay, cool. Um, wow, I've made $50,000 in revenue this year. I've done so well. And then you meet someone else in business who makes $50,000 in a month. <laughs> and you're like, okay, my bar has just been shifted immensely just from changing my environment and you start to think differently and you start to grow so much faster just based on what's normal around you I mean that's that naturally happens you know when you're running in a race where a lot of people are running fast you'll naturally run faster without even trying it's just in your instincts so surround yourself with other business people the second tip that I would give is to focus on the 20 percent that makes 80% of the difference. So if you haven't heard, there, there is this theory out there, the 80-20 theory, where in the results and in the success that you get, it's not because of 100% of the things that you are doing equally. It's because there's just 20% of what you do that moves the needle by 80%. And the other 80% of what you do is more of the cherry on top it's more of the extras and that 80 percent the other 80 percent of what you do only moves the needle by 20 percent so what i would say to you is focus on the tasks that are actually progressive not just the tasks that make you feel busy and make you feel like you're doing something and in business that is of course the revenue revenue generating tasks and what I believe in business is the best strategy is the long-term strategy. So not just finding quick ways to make a quick buck, but to build genuine relationships. Build genuine relationships because that is your best bet for having a long-standing business, but it also is your best marketing strategy as well. Because when you build genuine relationships, then you'll get more referrals. When you have an incredible service or product, then you have raving fans. You have customers who are absolutely stoked with what you've provided them. And then they will buy again or they will refer other people. So really focusing on that long-term strategy um, within your 20%. And lastly, create the mindset that there's always going to be space for improvement. So taking on the mindset that all you need to do in business is to improve by 1% each week. Because success doesn't come overnight. It comes over time as a result of constant improvements and constant iterations of who you are, how you do things, your products, your service. 
Like even if it's already good, there's going to be space for improvement. Like think of some of the best-selling books out there. It's 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 a bestseller, but then three years later, there's an edition number two, and then there's an edition number three. So you're you might be at one point oh now, and you might be good for where you're at, but don't feel like you need to be perfect because next time you can bring out 2.0, you can bring out 3.0, you can bring out 4.0. And I remember I couldn't get my head around this at the very start when I first was in business. I remember I wanted to create a an exercise library for my clients when I was doing personal training. And I was like, okay, I cannot release this exercise library until I have like 500 exercise videos all filmed, all edited to perfection before I even got my first client and James at the time my partner was like no like just film the first 100 exercise videos that are the most common videos get your first client and then as you go film more and I just didn't I just didn't get that but but now I see it because when you wait till you're perfect before you release something You'll be waiting a very long time and you'll just never end up getting started. You'll just never end up getting anything out there. So start at a level that's good enough, that will get the ball rolling, that will get momentum. And then from there, you can improve by 1% each week. I mean, I was in a place where I thought I was good five years ago. My first workshop, I was like, oh, that was pretty good. But every workshop that I do, I just improve 1%. You know, I learn about how to be a bit funnier and then I apply that into the workshop. I learn about how to wrap up a talk with more engagement and then I add that into the next workshop. I learn how to how to um, keep people more engaged and then I put that into the next workshop and each workshop just gets better and better. And now I feel like I'm good enough, but I know there's still so many more iterations to come. Okay, next question. If you had $100 million, what would you do with it? Oh, this is such a good question. I always I always love these questions. Like, yes, they're theoretical and everything, but it really gets you thinking. And it's such a good, it's such a good dis- conversation starter. So like bring this to your next dinner or lunch or something if, if there's a long, awkward silence or something. <laughs> what I would do. I so first of all in terms of pleasure the things that come to mind for me is to go on a big holiday like I just go on a massive holiday and the first place I'd go is Europe because I have never been to Europe and I would love to go it's on the plan for next year to do a big trip there but I'll probably go straight away if I had 100 million dollars land into my hands go to Europe um probably probably build a few holiday homes. So at the moment, for anyone who doesn't know, I am with James, my partner, in the process of building a home. And it's something that is really, it's it takes a lot of time and everything, but it's fun. Um, so I'd love one of those by the beach in Victoria, uh, down in Mornington Peninsula, maybe, maybe one in Queensland, <laughs> have a bit of that. And and actually enjoy the things that we enjoy. But really what I would love to do with that is to invest it in a way that will 
get me closer to achieving my purpose and my vision, which at a very high level is to create a world that's more harmonious, that's more thriving. So I'd have to think about this because I'd want to invest the money, right? Like not just give it away for it to meet a dead end, but invest it in a way that will continue giving years and years into the future. So maybe things like education programs, maybe things like building facilities like um, schools or even animal sanctuaries, because that's something that I'm really, uh, really passionate about. Maybe hospitals in Vietnam, because my dad, who's a doctor, does a lot of volunteering and charity work for sick kids in Vietnam. So if we had that, build some hospitals um, so that it's not like just donating to a current hospital to use um, there and then. It's like building hospitals so that it can create opportunities down the track. So I think it'd be a combination of that for sure. Um, yeah, of course, going to use it for some of my own like leisure, uh, increase my ability to experience life more, which is a huge personal focus of mine to experience. So travel, see things, go scuba diving, taste good food, hear good music, uh, go to different parts of the world and then, yeah, use it to create my vision for the world as well. I'd be interested to hear, you know, if you're listening to this and this has got a new thinking, please send me a message. I'd be interested to hear how you would spend $100 million. All right, next question. And this is such a good question. Curious, how do your parents feel about your career change? So for anyone who doesn't know, I have had a big career change in the last couple of years, no longer doing physiotherapy, which is what I did out of high school at uni, and now doing this full time, you know, performance and mindset coaching, running events, running courses. So what I would love is to get my parents on here for them to share their genuine thoughts on my career change because I I only know what they've told me or what I have gathered from their response so maybe let me know if you want my parents to come on here then I'll make it happen because I did get my dad onto my previous podcast the Athletes Garage podcast and that was such a popular episode um, cause he's a doctor. He like my, both my parents are, mig- are migrants from Vietnam. He has so much rich insight to share about overcoming hardship and working, uh, to get what you want in life. And he's, he's very, uh, he's very philosophical as well. Like we go running every week together and we just DNM and, and talk about life during our runs. But what I gather is that they are very happy for me. Their main thing for me from a young age was to be in a stable and a stable and giving career, like career that will give me what I want. And although their idea of that was to go to uni and to, to get like a nine to five job, They've also learned so much about business since I've gone into business. Like I've talked to them about how it's going and I've, I've shared with them like how much I make and how it is more than when I was a physio and I share with them the potential of what could be made. It, it, makes, them, it makes them feel more 
at ease, but also the fact that they see how happy I am is what makes them happy. And this is, by the way, coming from, you know, parents who are migrants from Vietnam after the war. Like having financial security is a big thing for them and has always been a big focus for them. So they've they've previously been operating from scarcity and fear. So it's been a process for them to change their mindset on this, but they are so supportive now from what I gather. <laughs> like they're, they're so supportive. Um, in fact, it's funny. I'm just like, so do you ever, do you ever regret paying so much for me to go to a private school when, and for me to spend four years in uni for me to not be doing physio anymore? And then they just laugh and, and they don't mind, especially when my mum's ready for me to have kids so that she can have grandkids. So I'm like, well, what's the point of me even like starting a career if you want me to just like have kids now? I mean, of course, there's still a point, but um, yeah, not to be happen, not to be happening anytime soon. Okay, so final question. Trang, what are your tips to be more confident? So I want to start this response off by saying that I haven't always been confident. Like I know I come across as very confident now and I actually know I am very confident now, maybe too confident sometimes, but I definitely wasn't always confident. So growing up with with migrant parents where Vietnamese was my first language and English was my second language, I was the weird one at school. Uh, I didn't know how to speak English that well. I actually clearly remember at one point I was skipping. This I was like in prep or grade one or something. I was skipping in the playground and I accidentally hit someone else with the skipping rope. And they like told on me to the teacher. And I remember the teacher coming to me being like, did you do that on purpose or was that an accident? And I and me being young Trang who didn't know English very well, I didn't even know what either of those words meant. But I was too shy to to say that I didn't know what it meant. And I said to the teacher, I did it on purpose because I just guessed. I, I just said something. I just wanted to. I just wanted to fit in and and not, um, you know, not embarrass myself. So then I got in so much trouble because I apparently did it on purpose. So I had to do some time out and everything. But I was the weird one, okay? And I remember in prep, I remember in prep when you have when you had year six buddies, I, I didn't know the word buddy. I thought it was body, like, because I knew the word body, like I have a body. Um, so I was just like, oh, I, I've got a year six body and everyone laughed at me. <laughs> okay, it wasn't really funny at the time, but I laugh at it now. You know, I, I haven't always been confident. I was bullied for this when I was in, in school. But going through high school, things definitely changed. And I think something that changed was me starting to own myself in the way that I saw myself, not in the way that other people saw me. And I know this is challenging when you're in school and it's so much, there's so much emphasis on social um, you know, like social settings and fitting in and everything. But I started to recognize that I was what I thought I was, not I was what other people thought of me. And the way that I, I, I convinced myself of that was I started to do things that gave me evidence of being capable. Like I, I went out of my comfort zone and I would do different sports like soccer, you know, taekwondo. I would do 
aerobics, which is kind of like halfway between dancing and cheerleading. Um, you know, I would study hard and I'd get good marks and everything. And I would start to feel more confident in my own capabilities, even if other people didn't think so. But naturally what happens is as you do more things and you get more capable, then other people start to look up to you more or other people start to respect you more or uh, include you more. So it's a positive cycle in that aspect. Something to remember is confidence isn't something that comes on its own. Like you're not, you're not either confident or not confident. Confidence is something that you choose every single day and you choose to be confident. You have the opportunity to choose and make that, take that path every single day by doing things that might scare you, by doing things that prove yourself your worth. So choosing to take action is going to be you choosing to take the path of confidence, choosing to be confident, to embody confidence. And naturally, when you do more things and you get more um, skilled or experienced, then you will become more confident as a person, as a whole as well. So that's it. That is the final question. And that's a wrap on this Q&A episode. I had a blast answering these questions. So I hope that you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please let me know because I'm more than happy to do another one of these in the future because I feel like it was a lot more lighthearted. We could have a laugh. I can talk about different things and you can get more of an insight into who I am. So yeah, please let me know if you want more of this. I will be more than happy to deliver. All right, until the next episode, guys, keep showing up as your highest self, keep contributing to the world around you, and I'll catch you next week. Bye.